Hey, Connection Point Church, welcome again as we are, are just in a conversation with uh, some of our brothers and sisters in Christ in the city of Wiley. We're back here with Pastor Jeff and Adrian and Tafazwa and Chloe, and of course, my lovely wife, Erica. And we're just um, having a conversation and really praying that God is going to, um, to show us a path forward as we navigate just a, a climate of racial tension and a, a lot of pain. Last week, we talked about uh, healing, and today we want to talk about fixing it, okay? And we know that fixing it ultimately is not something that we're going to be able to do, but we do want to, this discussion to be more of uh, the kind of identifying, if you will, um, what, where are we right now? What, uh, instead of providing answers in this part, I really just want us to, to be real about where are we right now? Um, and so the first question I'm going to have uh, to you is a very simple one. Have you ever experienced overt racism? What happened? Yes. <laughs> um, I'll probably say the, the biggest thing for me was when um, I found out my white counterpart was making $10,000 more than I was, and I had more experience than, than he did. And so that just, um, that, was, that was just completely, and, and in fact, I was helping to train him because he was new to the company, I was helping to train him on what we did because he hadn't even done as much. But to find out, and the way I found out is because I became the manager, I got to see personnel files, and I was like, wow. He was literally making $10,000 more than I was. Wow. Hmm. Chloe, to um, The closest to overt racism I got was in a police stop while I was in college, leaving from, I just got back from a mission trip, and I am driving to the middle of East Texas, like Podunk, East Texas, like all the way out there. And I'm going out there because I was an interim pastor for the church, and I was so for six months. The church was in Timpson, Texas, and on my way out there, I got stopped by a police officer because I just left a speed zone that was 55, and I was going to a speed zone that's about, it's going 70, and so it was a bit of a speed trap, and I got stopped going 65 because I was about half a mile away from the 70 and I was speeding up because, you know, if you know me, I was running late. So I was trying to get to church. I was like, I was like I'm literally in preaching and I need to be there on time. And when I got stopped, and it's outside of Timpson, Texas, the police officer stops me. I'm bumping Lecrae. I have a Mohawk. And he's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to go preach at a church. I'm the interim pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. And he was like, uh-huh, you're going to go preach at that church. And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm going to go. He's like, oh, yeah, anyone, can anyone verify that for you? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like, you can give them a phone call. He's like, oh, I know people there. I, I'm going to give them a phone call. I need all your information. So I give him my information, and then he's like, I need you to keep your hands on the steering wheel while I'm gone. No sudden movements. So I sit there for 15, 20 minutes while he's back there checking my information. And then he comes back, he's just like, mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, here's your speeding ticket. We need you to come back for to get this head settled in town within the next couple within the next week. And um, I was like, "Did you give make the phone call?" He was like, "I don't have to answer to you." And walked back to his car. And then I ended up getting to church. I was late. And then during that, I was I was processing what happened, and I was just kind of like, "I, You're right. I don't know, like what just what just happened to me." And that was kind of like the first time I was kind of like, well, "I think I was just profiled." Wow. You might, you might have to translate, I was bumping Lecrae. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, 
All right, here's one that uh, I, I'm curious. Do you believe that racism in America can be fixed? In my lifetime? <laughs> hmm. Uh, oh. Uh, and see, that's, that's that dynamic of being a Christian, of walking in faith. Because if you say you walk by faith, then you believe that God can handle even this. But it's even more difficult when you see that it's, it just seems to get worse and worse and worse. So it's interesting, he says, in my lifetime. Because it might not necessarily be in our lifetime, but it might be in our children's children's lifetime. Because it's, if we truly believe that the blood of Jesus can root out this hatred, then we should be able to say it can happen. Yeah. And we should be able to speak it and say it can happen. Because mm -hmm. it's a heart thing. Mm -hmm. It's a heart thing. Mm -hmm. So if God can touch the heart, mm -hmm. it can happen. Yes. Right. Um, so Jesus tells us uh, that on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so in what way is the body of Christ, in what ways are the body, is the body of Christ uniquely prepared to change the culture or to attack this evil? In what way can the church do something maybe that the world cannot do? The first thing that comes to mind is pray. Because prayer still, that still hasn't changed. Come on, come on. That, <laughs> that is still our most effective tool. Yeah. You know, we, we worship the most high. So that still hasn't changed. And, and I know it, it for some people, because I know we hear it all the time that it's like, well, we've been praying and nothing has changed. It's, but it's still the most effective tool that we have. It is still the most effective tool that we have. And that's for the church especially. That's the most effective tool that we have. Um, I think something else that the church can do is to, one, acknowledge the discrimination and the racism that has been perpetuated by use of the Bible in the history of the church and be the first to be like, hey, we have the history of messing this up, apologizing for that, seeking forgiveness for that, and then in turn speaking out and being... Um, and being a place where people know like, hey, those people are going to stand up for me because Jesus was known for standing up for those that couldn't stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. And the church, especially here in America, has a platform to stand up in a way other people cannot. And I think the church, what, is, what can the church do is as a whole can stand up for the injustice and acknowledge the wrongs that have been done, seek forgiveness for that and show like, hey, Ignoring it is not going to work. It's been done. We're sorry. We apologize for being quiet this long. Here, we are here now. We're here to work together, and we're here to stand up for everybody because there are black Christians and there are white Christians. There shouldn't be a division there. We're all right. Christians. Um, yeah, there's a, a lot, I think, to, uh, that just comes to my mind with that. Um, Isaiah 30 is, is a kind of an obscure passage, but it's something that's come to my mind this week as I was uh, um, in prayer and just my daily Bible reading. It says this, Ah, stubborn, stubborn children of Israel, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but it's not mine, who make an alliance, but it's not of my spirit. They make and add sin to sin who will set out to Egypt, and they will take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh, and they will seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. In other words, he was lamenting the fact that when 
Israel seemed to get in trouble, they would run to the people who had actually enslaved them. They would mm -hmm. run to the, uh, the country that was strong and would sometimes protect them from that danger. They would close their eyes to, uh, to the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things I see when I, when I see the response from some well-meaning people, but the temptation to look to our government, to look to uh, systems and not to the Lord, to me is a dangerous uh, idea. And so what, uh, what are some of the things that you have seen that may be well-meaning, but uh, could be damaging to the long term, not just to the cause of Christ, but to, um, to black people? Um, and then what maybe would be the Lord's remedy, so to speak? Um, something that immediately comes to mind is the idea of replacing things such as Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter. Um, that is damaging in the sense. Jesus says to himself, the well don't need a physician. That is going into a waiting room and seeing someone in the emergency room and someone with a cough and saying, well, you know what? They came first. You have a bullet wound, but they came first. Everyone in here is my patient, so I'm going to take them first. There is a difference in priority, and Jesus came not for the well, but for those who are sick and hurting. And I think right now what we see is that people of color are hurting. The well don't need a physician. That's why I think it is so hurtful when someone would change something like Black Lives Matter. It's, Black Lives Matter doesn't equate to all lives don't matter. It means that this particular group is hurting the most and they need the attention and they need the healing right now. So we need to bring emphasis to that. The same way that as sinners, we were hurting, we were lost and Jesus came to the Israelites, but more so to the Gentiles who were lost without any hope before yeah. and he went to them. He, he seeks and say, he'll go after the, the one and leave the 99. And I think there, there's a lot that speaks to, uh, to that. And, and even with something as uh, so sensitive as Black Lives Matter, I do hope that the grace in our church is that we understand the pain of that African-American men and women, do, brothers and sisters in Christ, do feel uh, danger and, that, and, and, and harm. Um, on that same thought, how should the church lead and respond differently to, than to what others are saying? And I just want to uh, give you two kind of thoughts. I'm going to let y'all speak. Um, on the national, we hear people saying, "Hey, we're going to solve this in November. We're going to vote. We're going to vote, and that that's going to that's going to be the solution." We've got people, uh, some groups that are making. Here's our list of demands. Um, to me, uh, those are two very dangerous things uh, because. Uh, the idea that when we vote, then racism goes away. Or what if all of those demands get met? Then, mm -hmm. then you have to come up with a, another list of demands. In other words, uh, it's missing the really the heart issue of racism. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the church, the answer is love your neighbor, mm -hmm. is serve others. And so to me, that's one of the things that is missed when we just say we're going to protest, when we just say we're only going to, we're going to vote this out in November or when, or whatever your thought is. You're, you're, to me, that's a naive uh, band-aid to a problem that has proven to be stronger than a vote or even a list of demands. Um, and so what is your thoughts as far as the power of the message of the actual teaching of Jesus to be applied to this solution? One of the things that, that comes to mind is 
whenever we there that churches have missions and we decide to go outside of the United States, outside of our own city, why is it that there's no missions for our own city? If that's going to be our neighbor, literally our neighbor, why aren't we doing something for our neighbor here as opposed to someplace else? I'm not saying nobody else, everybody else doesn't need it, but I think that it will also give a broader perspective and that will help the church understand what it is that their neighbor is actually going through. I don't, I've, I've never been on a mission trip to Africa, Cambodia, I've never been over there. Mm. But, but I know they have some, some issues, they have some concerns, they need, to, they need Jesus. But what's happening right here in my neighborhood, in my community, we need Jesus as well because there are people who are falling away from the faith because they don't see the church coming to them as they would another country. Wow. Especially as strategic. Uh, mm -hmm. I, that's, that's an interesting, very interesting thought that, I mean, we spend months with a, preparing our people to go on a mission trip. Mm -hmm. um, but then with local missions, it's like, hey, y'all show up on Saturday. Yes. And, uh, that's that's a, I, I've never even really considered that dynamic. Um, it's to me there's um, there's a lot of different ways you could tackle that. Like of course, like we're not gonna it's not gonna be solved in just in November. Um, it's not gonna be solved with a shift in only just political thinking. Um, but as a church, there's a very simple way. Like one of a simple way we could get started in helping be a solution to this is that. Um, and I was like Joe, like you consider me a brother, right? If you saw what happened to George, what happened to me, would you stand there quietly? No doubt. You would. I would not. You stop. wouldn't. I would. Right. I would intervene. <laughs> exactly. And like, I'd be. And, I'd be on top of him with my jujitsu. <laughs> you know me. Exactly. And that, and, that, and that is. And that you is, didn't see that coming. Did you? That was a mistake. I, I, I didn't. But I would not stand quietly. Exactly. No. And then that is what I'm saying about what is happening as a church. We constantly say that the church is a body. And but what is happening is that when part of this body is hurting, we sit there and say it's okay just like to let it be cut off. Mm -hmm. We're trying to amputate parts of the body wow. and we're watching parts of the body be amputated and say nothing. Yeah. But we read in scripture all the time, the whole body is needed to function. Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't want to come back and find a, like a separated bride and find body parts yes. all over. He wants to yes. find one bride oh, yeah. together and as a church, what do we do is that when you see your brother and sister going through it, despite race, color, whatever, if that is truly your brother and sister, you wouldn't sit there quietly. And you wouldn't just stand there. You would intervene. And we all have different ways to intervene because we have different power scales, but you would intervene in the ways that you can. And yes. that is what I say. Like, yes, it's not going to be solved in November, but as far as the church is concerned, it can be solved now. Don't sit quietly as you watch the parts of the body be amputated and say nothing right. about it. Yeah, and I also think uh, it's important for us to recognize that people vote things for a whole bunch of different reasons. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, racism, it's dangerous to tie racism to a political party um, with just the history and where we're going. Uh, but it is wise, I think, to tie the solution to a savior. And so when we talk about race and solving this, um, that, that idea of tying it to a savior, our solution is in a savior. Uh, and he's already come, by the way. We're not looking for this savior. Oh, we know who he is. Um, 
Which leads me to my next question. If the church is supposed to be a glimpse of heaven on earth, why is Sunday morning the most segregated hour of the week? And I'm not the first to make this observation, but what are we doing wrong as a church? What, uh, and maybe what would be the next step? Well, I think uh, it's what we're doing now. We have to break that comfort zone. That fear, you're dealing with ego, this is my village, then, you know, and, and we got to break that. Because if we are saying we're Christians and we're believers, it's God's kingdom. It's not ours. For some reason, we think it's ours. They're my people. Uh, when I first got into barbering, one of the things that first five years I had to uh, get out of my mind, that, that was my client. You have a choice to come sit in my chair. My job is to do a great job that you will come back. So my job is to build that relationship so that you will come back and say, hey, if I go to another barber, you're going to miss what Jeff has done. So your experience, my goal had, had to transition to, hey, when you're in my chair, you, I want you to have the best experience ever. And that birthed the home of the steam tile. So I had to come up with something that was different from what others was doing to kind of set me apart from others. I could have went in a couple directions, but I said, no, I just want to be the basic and do service, build a relationship. And I think in church, we got to uh, uh, meet people where they are, number one, not judge them. And uh, many times we try to catch a fish already clean. You can't go to no lake and catch a fish already clean. We got to work with it, disciple that person, the individual, and, and meet them where they are. Uh, many times we don't want to get in the trenches with people. We want them already before we put them in a place, I already ready for that position instead of walking them through uh, and leaning into them, learning about them, uh, building that relationship. And I think that's one of the missing pieces that I've seen being in church coming up, you know, singing, going here and there. They just want you for your gift. But after you leave and serve the gift, there's no relationship. And so uh, uh, we got to break that, whatever, that friction in there. And, and know that if God called you, it's God's call. It's God's church. It's not ours. Because he can remove us just like that. If I die tomorrow, you're going to go find you another barber. <laughs> it'd be hard. I wouldn't look as good. I know it would yeah. be hard. I'm going to make it hard. <laughs> but you're going to go find another. And yeah. that's what the concept We're God's people. God is leading. God is guiding. Right. And when we're seeking God and we're into God, we're not worried about position or whether if I come speak at your church, they might leave and come to my church. No, we're the body of Christ. So we have to mature as believers, pastors, teachers, as, as people to accept people where they are and love on. One of the things we do at uh, 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 Believe at Grace Word is, you might be here for just a season, mm -hmm. but while you're here, I'm going to love the hell out of you. <laughs> right? That's the goal. Love people for who they are. And when we lean into them, it might be some stuff that I don't like. We've been married 23 years. It's still some stuff I'm learning now. I'm a, it's a long time. Huh? Am I, huh? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on TV. But uh, so uh, we have to break that barrier. And I got to lean into it, get, let her know. I got to take the mask off. I got to, uh, and it's like a pill in an onion. I think also, it's, it's just this deep-rooted tradition that I'm going to go to a church that looks like me. And if you don't see pastors and leaders 
that look like you, you get a little nervous about it. So I think the church has to be intentional of having other speakers and have diversity in, in not only just their leadership, but in a, in a different speaker. And, and the great thing that the, one of the churches that we had went to that we were a member of, of Covenant, a few many years ago was that at the time it was Pastor Mike Hayes was a senior pastor. Well, I never met Mike Hayes. I've, I've heard him speak, but it got to the point that I didn't have to hear him speak. Whoever was coming, was, was a word. there was a word. And I think when people get that understanding from their pastor that, listen, I'm not going to be preaching every Sunday. When they have that understanding and realize, you know, T is gonna be preaching for the next three weeks. And you, got you that? make sure that, and, uh -oh. and they, and you support that, yes. and you make sure that whoever is coming in, that they know this person is is speaking. Right. That they start to see diverse, mm -hmm. they start to see different, and they start to see, yeah, he's different, but it's still the same Jesus. Amen. And that will break that tradition. That's good. Um, what role? Do and I'm going to ask this on both sides, but what role do black followers of Christ play in fixing or finding the remedy to this, the problem we have with a segregated church on Sunday morning? And I'm going to ask the same, what role do white people have in that? And uh, I asked this question out of just an observation of when I preach in a black church, uh, there is a an eye kind of raised towards me that, uh, that I feel, and uh, I feel that's got to be overcome uh, the comfort level of having uh, a white uh, person in a black church and a black person in a white church, which, uh, to be honest, you probably uh, are more comfortable being around a bunch of white people oh. than, <laughs> than uh, when I go in and can feel the tension of me mm -hmm. walking in. You're probably more used to that. But what role does, uh, the black, do black followers of Christ play in the solution to this? It really is it's still a, a tradition. It's still stemmed in this, you know, um, why are you going to have this white man teach me? How come you can't? It's, it's still a tradition that we as pastors have to be intentional on breaking so that everybody understands, again, it's still the same God. Mm -hmm. It's just a different vessel. And wow. we have to make sure that they understand, are you a follower of Christ or are you a follower of Jeff? And we have to get out of that mode. And that's, that's the hardest thing, I think, for any pastor to do is to remind, listen, don't follow me, follow Christ. We have to make, like you said, make disciples, make followers of Christ so that when the vessel comes, regardless of male, female, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, they want to hear from God. And, and, and so as, a, as pastors, as, as black pastors or pastors of a black, predominantly black church, that's, we have to be intentional on making sure follow to break down the traditional walls so that they will follow Christ and not a man. Oh. All right, so what uh, do white followers, what, um, what role do they play in, uh, in integrating Sunday mornings? And I'll throw it over here. Um, I think it comes, into, or comes down to just one, openness to not, I don't know, not making a big deal out of being um, like whenever like there is like diff like you know someone of a different 
race walks through the doors because I've had the personal experience of like being out in East Texas <laughs> and uh, being oftentimes being one of, if not the only black person in the congregation um, or to where there comes a lot, the weight of being the spokesperson. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of times where people want to walk away from that because it's like, I'm not the spokesperson for all black people. And I think another role or another thing that white, white followers of Christ can do to help, you know, integrate churches more is become involved more in part in those parts of the neighborhood. Make your that's presence a great word. make your presence felt oh. there because a lot of times is I'm not gonna go to your church. I don't know you. Like, <laughs> what, yeah. what am I gonna go to your church for? Who are you? Or if the only time you show up in my neighborhood is to invite me to church, but you know, you're, you're not going to get a, get an invite to the cookout because you're not trying to yes. eat with us. Yes. Right. You want us to come eat with you. Yes. You're like, you come and hang out with us, and then, like, then at that point, it's like, it makes it more brotherly because a lot, I think if you, I don't do statistics or anything, but 80% of the reason if someone goes to a church they go to is because they know someone in that church. Uh-huh. I'll bet it's higher than that, but I'll make I, up a, a statistic don't, too. Don't, don't fact check me, but. No, I think that's a great word. Um, and so as we close this second part of just identifying it, I think uh, those are some good uh, suggestions uh, just as far as, again, loving our neighbor and serving one another. And so uh, my hope for our church this uh, week is that we'll just continue to pray because remember, the whole point of, uh, of this conversation is that we want to make sure that the next time that we see an injustice, no one asks, asks our church, what are you going to do? But instead, they're able to say, look at the, what they're doing. And hopefully, they're able to say, man, that church is already loving their neighborhood. That church is already part of the solution.